this show, the one that's really capturing imagination. But I think more than that is the people of Emporia coming out to support us all the way. The event as a whole is just such a unique atmosphere. People from all over the county, country, world converge into one community. We cannot wait to be back in Emporia. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Funbound Gravel Podcast, where we discuss how fun is fast and fast is fun, especially at Unbound Gravel. I'm your host, Nick Legan. And I'm Kristen Legan. Now let's talk gravel. So today on the show, we have the one and only Ben Delaney. Uh, Ben is a YouTuber uh, focused on the gravel scene. Uh, Check him out at The Ride with Ben Delaney. We'll, of course, have a link in the show notes. He's been a cycling journalist by my count coming on 25 years He stepped in and out of that role a little bit in that time, but for the most part, written about bikes and people who ride them uh, for for nearly a quarter of a century. I'm not trying to make him feel old. That's that's out of respect. (laughs) He lives in Boulder, Colorado, but he's a New Mexico boy. Um, He's no slouch on on a bike, and he's a very dapper man. Hello, Ben. Welcome to the show. Hello, Legans. I'm honored and excited to be on Funbound. I like the name. I guess I'm going to like where this conversation is going, although I have no idea where this conversation is going because you haven't told me. So as always, That's I'm right. <laughs> here, here as a joiner, just following the path that the Legans have set out before me. <laughs> yeah, we didn't share any of our questions before the episode with Ben, so he is flying blind here, um, but the man is quick on his feet. So first question, I'll jump right into it, Ben, is how nervous on a scale from fully chillaxed to I need a bathroom right now are you about Transcordiera? I'm I'm probably halfway in the middle. Um, yeah, so going down, I'm doing the Bambino version, the three-day. Um, there's also an eight-day, and then there's also a non-stop version uh, for the oh, Christian wow. Legans out there for whom like just distance is not enough. We've got to just do it all at once, too. Um, I'm on the other end of that spectrum. So that's probably bringing my uh, nervousness down. And then just good old old-fashioned like ignorance and hubris is also probably bringing my nervousness down that I, I literally don't know what I'm getting myself into. So I, I'm not fearful of things. I don't yet know. Um, Nick and Kristen, you guys will probably be maybe amused, maybe a little disappointed to hear that I have not yet tried packing my bike once <laughs> with the things that go in it. Like I, I can put the bicycle in the bike bag, but as far as like the bike bags going onto the bike and the clothing and, and toiletries and stuff that are going into said bags, they're sitting here behind me. It's 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 10 a.m. Monday. Uh, Flight is 6 a.m. Tuesday. Um, I need to change tires and figure out what will fit in these bags and then put the bike in the bike bag and then off we go. What could go wrong? Nothing. Nothing could go wrong. This is this is a this is stellar Bendelini style. So for those people who don't know, what is Transcordiera? Where where are you off to tomorrow at Odark 30? Colombia. I've never been. I'm super excited. Uh, Medellin is the home base or Medellin. I need to get my double L's to J's. Um, and yeah, it's a bike packing race, but it's a Delaney friendly bike packing race in that, uh, unlike Nick and Chris and some of your adventures that involve sleeping on rocks, I'm a soft, soft man. And I like sleeping on soft, soft surfaces. So there are you know, hotels, motels where you stay at the end of each stage. So you're carrying your stuff with you. Um, but that stuff does not include hammock, baby sack, sleeping bag, it's that type of thing. So I've been told it's a, it's an entry gateway drug of sorts, but I don't know if I want to go all the way in, but at the same time, I mean, part of the reason why I'm on this podcast is gravel guy is because you guys have done things before that and told me about them. And I thought that sounds terrible. That sounds like a ridiculous <laughs> idea. I'm, why would you ever? And then like fast forward a little while, like I'm super eager beaver doing that thing. So who knows where this will end, but on this particular trip, Transcordiaris each night, God willing ends in a, uh, a comfortable bed. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea. Sounds that, good. Um, ride. I like the idea that riding in Colombia is entry level anything. Um, having been there briefly, uh, everything is steep and everything is at altitude. Are you? How are you feeling about that? I mean, Ben, for those who don't know, carries a very high level of general fitness at any given point in the year. Um, but, but I mean, uh, yeah, any nervousness around that? The altitude in particular. 
uh, not so much the altitude. And I guess how I'm looking at this is as a super fun adventure. Um, nice. Uh, I mean, yes, it's timed and it's technically a race, but um, it's something that we all talk about often in the gravel community is, uh, you know, like the competitor versus completer spectrum. And mm-hmm. that's one thing that I love is that, you know, you can approach any race as seriously or as, I don't want to say as frivolously, but like you don't have to put pressure on yourself to do it in a certain amount of time. Right. Like, um, so I'm not going into it with any expectations other than trying to get to the finish and said soft mattress by the end of the day. So I think that that changes it quite a bit. I mean, if the ask was like, okay, you're racing Russell Finsterwald and how are you going to hold up? Cause if you don't finish within 10 minutes of them, you're going to have to go home. Like that would be a totally different, uh, set. So yeah, the, the, the terrain looks brutal. Everyone I've spoken to, including many Colombians say the gravel riding there is actually mountain biking. Uh, I bumped into <laughs> Brian Hannon of Boulder cycle works at the airport. Uh, we were just up on the bus back home from the airport. They just got back from a Colombian trip. They were down there, um, visiting friends and riding and <clears throat> they were both a super excited, enthusiastic about their trip and said I was going to have a great time. And then B saying like, dude, dude, you got to put on bigger tires, dude, dude, you got to know that's, that's not going to be enough. You need, you're going to need more tires. Um, and then the third thing was like, you're going to need lower gears. So I've got the, I'm bringing the new 12 speed GRX with uh, you know, 51 on the back, nice. big old pie plate. And I will mm-hmm. absolutely plan on being in there some, and I plan on probably walking portions. Um, and that's okay. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, long, walking, long to, answer to, a sh- to, to a short question, like, I mean, who knows? Like, sometimes I, I talk a big game, like, I'm just here to relax and enjoy it, man. And then, like, you get a number on the bike or body, and it's like, ah, Kristen will not drop me. I will ride myself <laughs> into the grave. She won't. Die. So, who, I mean, who knows where I'll go, but. <laughs> it sounds like an amazing adventure. Yeah, I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Yeah. Well, will you be recording a bunch of that for um, for your your YouTube? Um, a lot of what you do is, you know, review product and then take this product in cool locations. Um, so are you going to be covering this event um, through your YouTube channel? Yes, ma'am. That's the, nice. the whole point. Yeah, I'm always Good. I'm always playing a little bit when I'm working, but I'm always working a little bit when I'm playing. So yeah, definitely looking forward to this as a fun thing, but yeah, a few deliverables, self-assigned deliverables would be a review on the Scarab custom bike. Scarab's made there in Medellin um, and the 12 speed group and tires. I'm going to like 45 up front is probably the fattest I can get in that fork. Um, they also make a much bigger, beefier, like adventure gravel bike. But when this bike was being produced, um, I was not thinking about riding in Columbia. I was thinking about riding our buttery smooth north of Boulder, uh, Boulder, Colorado road. So yeah, I'll be a video on that bike, that group set, that, uh, those tires. Um, and then also a couple other videos, like I was just this morning before this pod, uh, messaging with Natalia Franco, uh, who, uh, Vegas, who's, Colombian pro road racer. Uh, she's done this. She's won it a three day version in the past and she's going to be doing it again. So I'm going to do a video with her. I've got a, an idea about doing a top five cool things about cycling in different countries, um, with locals selling like what they love about riding bikes. Um, just as a fun excuse to go and do and see those things. So I'm going to do a video with her on that. Um, and then, uh, probably do a video on the scarab factory, down there is they're chopping and welding and painting bikes. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to checking that out. Uh, Nick and I were down in Colombia last year and, and got a little bit of taste of the the roads and the gravel down there. And um, yeah, excited to see a different region through your ch- channel. Um, Where did you guys go? We were just outside of Bogota. We were in a town. Uh, Nick, do you remember what that town was called? 
Um, Gosh, I don't know. I, don't I, was, uh, I was sideways with, with a fever for a lot of the time we were there. I, I came down with a flu or something. So unfortunately, it wasn't the most coherent trip of my life, but it was beautiful. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, wasn't wasn't uh, the best experience for us, but it wasn't Columbia's fault. It was just it was during a big travel problem going on in the US and then all kinds of things. And they got sick, all these things. So we're eager to get back for sure, especially to Medellin um, and, and check that out. So, um, well, you know, we've been talking a lot about Columbia, um, but let's jump into some unbound questions since we are on the Funbound uh, Gravel podcast. Yeah, here. let's go. Yeah. Emporia. <laughs> Emporia, back to the Midwest. Um, so, Ben, you've done both the 200 and 100 mile distances at Unbound multiple times, I believe, in, in both cases. Um, yes, ma'am. Can you tell us just a little bit about your different experiences between the 200 and 100? Um, and if you have any advice for those first timers out there that might be, you know, maybe struggling with their distance decision or, you know, thinking about what they're about to take on in June. Sure. Uh, for the latter part, listen to Kristen and Nick and read Kristen and Nick because they will guide you with better precision and more thought than I could ever muster. That's, that's if you don't take anything else away from this podcast, take that. Listen to these guys, not, not me. Um, yeah, I've done the 200 a couple times and the fundy hundy, as I call it, the 100 twice, uh, totally different beasts. And, you know, again, another thing I love about gravel events in general and Unbound in particular is you can get in where you fit in and pick the distance that feels right, whether that's okay, I've got a lot of other stresses going on and I don't want to tax my marriage with trying to train for a 350 like Kristen or conversely, like if you're ready to scare yourself with a big old hairy goal, like you can pony up like up and over your eyeballs and still come out. Okay. So yeah, I love the, the choice and distance there. The 200 was the first. Nick, you were asking earlier about like the scare of like needing a toilet versus full chillax. The mm -hmm. Unreal 200 was pro probably the first time that it was probably closer to uh, maybe not needing the toilet, but like in that direction, like, how do you, what the, who the, how, how, but, uh, as far as preparation and uh, tactics and the whole thing, I was just clueless. You know, I remember asking Chris Monroe, who's done it a number of times, who did the XL last year against better judgment and is doing it again this year, despite his experience <laughs> last year. Like, dude, like what happens, what happens if like, you know, you have a bad moment or, or something and he just laughs. He's like, well, of course you're going to have a bad, you're going to crack like four or five <laughs> times. And the thing is long enough, you can like pull over and like take your shoes off and have a sandwich and then put your shoes back on. And they're like, oh, here comes another group and jump on them. Then you're feeling great again. And then off you go. I'm like, oh, okay. So it's, so it's not like an office park criterium is what you're telling me. Okay. Got it. <laughs> right. um, so that was a that was a fun journey and then i did it with our our man chris case um and both of us as newbies were just had like a road race mentality and we're frank we got we're both punctured within like five feet of each other i think we hit the same pointy rock and we're so frantic to try to fix the thing and get going again that we did all the things wrong that you could possibly do wrong like, you know, I was trying to plug a hole, like a gash, like the size of like my mouth with a, with a Dyna plug. And it turns out that doesn't work. Um, so yeah, I would say like, do, uh, do practice, right? Whether that's mm -hmm. another event that's like a slightly smaller distance or just riding by yourself or with buddies on a similar, a course as you can to sort of replicate the experience and with all the gear that you plan on taking. So like, don't be a dumb, dumb like me and use a Dyna plug for the first time in the event when you're all amped up and trying to get going super fast and chase back on, like just practice ahead of time. And that will get you familiarized with your stuff and the duration and the course. And I mean, not that we can all just fly to Emporia to practice, but actually Ben, I'll interject. You can, you can still sign up for the Unbound camp that happens in early April. And we both, Kristen and I well, both okay. work it. And we may as well okay. plug it there um, because it's a great yeah. it's a great experience. You get to practice plugging a tire. You get to ride those roads. 
Um, you get to, we, we point out the spot where Ben and Chris had their meltdown. Um, it's, <laughs> we all laugh. It's really fun. Um, but we talk, we do talk yeah, about good. things like trying to make a, a final fix as opposed to like nursing a problem that you're going to have to deal with in another 15 miles, you know? So we, we talk about a lot of yes, that stuff. So yes. if you're on the fence, do sign up for the Unbound Gravel Camp. It's it's a lot of fun. We should have you out sometime, Ben. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, yeah, I'd love that. And that's, that is, that is perfect. That's ideal. You know, work a bit for our friends over at Fast Cat Coaching and every single one of their gravel training plans you know, includes simulation rides of progressively longer distance and the, the, the notes in, in for those workouts are like, yeah, try to replicate the course and conditions and gear as best and nutrition, like all the things as best you can. And, you know, that's usually going under the assumption that you're doing that wherever you happen to live. But the gold standard, absolute best case scenario is going to the place like getting on the Super Bowl field to practice your Super Bowl passes. So being able <laughs> right. to do that in Emporia with, with you guys. Yeah. I could, I could have certainly absolutely use, <laughs> use that kind of, uh, guidance ahead of time. It's more so, fun yeah, to watch you flail. That's yeah. great. Flailing's good. <laughs> Flailing's good. You learn a lot through those flailings and those, you know, quote unquote, you know, failures out there. And I think Nick kind of touched on that recently on a blog he wrote about, his fat pursuit um, up in Idaho about how, you know, not finishing a race or not having the race you were hoping for can sometimes be more valuable and more meaningful than having the perfect yeah. day out there where you have no problems. Yeah. So. Yeah. <clears throat> Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And this is, I mean, it's a recreation, it's a recreational pursuit, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of easy to get wound up in it because it's such a big goal. Um, but the, yeah, but the point is to have fun and learn things and meet people and see places and yeah. it can be, it, and a lot, a lot of folks have time goals, right? And like, I'm not trying to uh, poo poo those. Um, and it can be frustrating to come in thinking one thing and go out <laughs> yeah. uh, with another experience. Um, yeah, yeah. But just going in. Welcome to life though. Of, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, Neil Shirley. Man, uh, Envy had a, a great quote about one particular unbound getting sideways, and that you know Neil would approach things as bike racer guy, like you know, raced professionally for a long time, and when he got into gravel early, like the you guys did, you know, he was in there, he was in it to win it, um, and had one, I can't remember which year, um, had one year where like his derailleur was torn asunder, like mile five or something like this. Um, <laughs> And, and ended up being like after the initial hump of frustration and cursing, the way he put it, it was like, ended up being like one of his best days ever because all he had to do that day was like ride bikes in a beautiful place and meet people. And there was no more like, oh, I got to get to the finish in X amount of time. I've got to keep the space. It's like, yeah, I'm going to ride my bike all day. And there's a lot of people out here doing the same thing. Um, so, yeah, that's something I try to keep in mind when I'm by the side of the road cussing and kicking and throwing things. <laughs> well, one thing, yeah, I've been really, you know, I appreciate from a lot of your race coverage is that you are out there doing it. First of all, um, you're, you're not just at the finish line, you know, getting quotes from the pros, that kind of thing. You're out there racing with people, but also that you, you tend to do the shorter distances at a lot of these races in order so that you can be at the finish line for, you know, the pointy end of the race, finishing the longer stuff. And I feel like in gravel, we all we we tend to always highlight the the longest race, the bigger race, the harder race. But the you know the hundred miler at Unbound is a really difficult day out there. Um, and so being able to go and race that and podium at that many times, but then also then be able to turn around and, and cover the rest of the racing is pretty impressive. So in terms of that, can you talk a little bit about like? your day at Unbound and what does that entail for Ben Delaney? Um, yes, sure. So the first, for, as context, the 200s, like I said, I think it's great for everyone to do a big, hairy stretch goal at some point, either on the bike or off, right? It's good to go forth, whether that's Fat Pursuit or Unbound XL. Like, you know, it's, it's different for different folks, but it's good to have something like that at some point. 
doing that on a regular basis just isn't sustainable and is not healthy. And the two times I've done the 200, uh, I remember just laying there in bed, trying to sleep and my heart rate still elevated. Like I did a nighttime mm. crit and had way too many espressos. And like my body's like, yeah, no, no too much old man. You need to chill out. Um, so as you said, Kristen, doing a hundred miles on gravel, any kind of gravel and hundred miles on Candace gravel, like that's, a, that's still a big old, uh, thing to tackle. Um, you're certainly not going to finish and be like, you know what? I'm going to do another lap. That was, that was nothing. Um, but the middle distances I find to be like this Goldilocks sweet spot of being enough of a challenge where you, you certainly feel like you did something. And, and prior to getting there, like it's once on your calendar, that'll get you out of bed in the morning to get some training done, but it's not going to just leave you in tatters for the days and weeks after. Right. Um, and then, yeah, at events, I like going to, especially things like Unbound, you know, I'm looking at very selfishly from a content monkey lens of like, what are good stories I can get out of this and how can I get those? And this past year, 23, for instance, it was, okay, uh, Keegan's on a new Santa Cruz stigma, at that time, unreleased Santa Cruz stigmata. He's got a good yeah. chance of winning the thing. Uh, a lot of folks are on these, at the time, unreleased Canyon Grails. Um, and if the pros are coming across the finish lines on those while well, I'm still like a hundred miles from nowhere, like I'm not going <laughs> to get that story. So yeah, getting in earlier, having time to shower, stare at the wall for, you know, half an hour, whatever, then go back to the finish and uh, <laughs> catch, catch those guys and gals coming across the finish. That was, that was a good, uh, yeah, good little blend of stuff. There's also something to be said for the shorter distance and going harder. I mean, right now, going longer, going farther is really being celebrated broadly in the cycling space. But um, we we do that to the exclusion of saying, well, yeah, if you can do a 217 hours, can you do a 105, you know, or six and, and reframing that. Um, and and for, again, for those who don't know, Ben can do those in five hours. You know, Ben is super fast. Um I appreciate your honesty though, as well, speaking around kind of, kind of where health and sport sometimes intersect and sometimes don't, sometimes they divert, you know, I mean, your, your idea that you can't do a 200 mile race day and, you know, week in, week out. Um, I think that's, that's good self-awareness. And I think it's something that we all look to these pros and they're doing these amazing things week in, week out. But I think I, I'm interested in your take on that. I mean, uh, you've covered professional cycling for a long time. Is professional cycling healthy, though? And is it something for the average bike rider? That, that is it something that the average bike rider should try to emulate? I think you know, big, big. <clears throat> excuse me, big picture. Absolutely, cycling as a lifestyle is a healthy thing, right? We, we know that. I think we're all agreed on that. Mm -hmm. uh, the absolute feats of strength can be done in a healthy manner. Like for professionals whose you know, sole job it is to do the thing, to train for the thing and do the thing and have a support staff of professionals taking care of them, it can be healthy. Uh, but even then, oftentimes it's not. I mean, Nick, <clears throat> you will know from working within some of these teams that often the guys and gals are, just in bits because like so many jobs, yeah. there's the perfect scenario of staffing and then there's crashes and illness and like, Oh, okay, look, you're back in. Like, I thought I was getting a week off. Like, yeah, no, we need you here for this random stage race in Portugal. Go. Um, right. So like less than like in the road racing perspective and gravel, since most of them are one days, I would, you know, this is where you insert your, your boilerplate disclaimer. This uh, <laughs> advice list on the show is not for medical professional. Please consult your doctor before <laughs> entering a testing. Um, <clears throat> I'm an ignorant layperson, So this is not a medical analysis, but I think it can be done for the Keegans and the Sophia's in a healthy manner. But even those folks are, they're at a point where they can say, look, I'm only doing eight races this year. Right. Uh, and, uh, and can carefully tailor their training with professional coaches guiding them to to get there and, and come down for that. So I think it's the takeaway for uh, the rest of us is it's fun and inspirational to see what they're capable of and see how they push themselves and take that as inspiration for 
maybe reconsidering what we are capable of and how we can push ourselves. Um, but it's not a one-to-one scale, right? Um, so being able to balance those big goals with, yeah, one, at one point I want to do this, maybe next year I want to train for this one big thing. And in the meantime, like it doesn't have to be a binary thing. Like I can only go for an Everstring ride or I'm not going to ride at all. It's like, no, you could just go ride around the neighborhood and that'll be pretty sweet too. So, um, kind of a rambling answer to a short question, but I think it can be healthy for sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah. gravel's nice in that there's so little money involved, even for the top professionals that it's not, you know, to push it into the, the red zone of unhealthiness. There's not knock on wood. I don't think there's large scale doping going on of people like really risking their health for, yeah, for a, a lifetime grand prix payout. Yeah. I tend to agree. Let's get you back into safer territory. Um, <laughs> instead of offering medical advice. That's not what this podcast um, is supposed to be we're, about. We're we're both really uh, interested, Kristen and I. You you get the chance to ride a lot of gear, a lot of bikes, a lot of different drivetrains, brakes, saddles, tires, hydration packs. I mean, for those who don't know, like being a cycling journalist, having done it for a short period of time, it's a really fun job. You know, a lot of stuff shows up. Um, doesn't always mean that you get to ride stuff that you like. Um, but Ben, our question is, what is your go-to gear for Unbound? And specifically, I'm thinking along the lines of like tires, uh, your nutrition, your hydration, and maybe must-carry tools. Yeah, great. Uh, start with tires. I love Schwalbe, the G1 family, tip to tail. Uh, that I think is all I've ever ridden there. Um, wow. Starting with the G1 all-rounds. Um, and historically I get a single flat. Sometimes it's a catastrophic one because of my uh, ineptitude, but, uh, (laughs) you know, more often than not, it's because of flying blind and not being able to see where you're going early on in the first few hectic miles and then get a puncture, plug it with a Dyna plug. That's my plug for Dyna plug. Love those things as, you know, tire plug that they come in a bunch of different configurations. Um, yeah, black bar end bits that you can thread in. There's a little racer tool that's dual sided. Um, some multi tools come with them, but yeah, just a metal tip dart looking thing uh, with some sticky rubber bits hanging off the back, like a like an octopus, and you shove that thing in your tire, and it seals mm-hmm. it. God willing, it seals it up. Um, you, know, you hit it with your you know CO2 cartridge, and you're you're back in the game. So yeah, Dynaplug, absolutely. And having that thing at the ready, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was Stetna who was doing it first, but like just having it in the back of his, you know, his car, his gravel britches with like the 47 different pockets, you know, having that <laughs> in a, in a dedicated, easy to reach spot, um, along with your CO2 that doesn't require zipping and unzipping. It sounds like such a simple thing, but like the yeah. one unbound punctured it like mile 25 as I do change it, you know, punctured it quickly. I'm sorry, put patched it quickly with a plug, hit it with the CO2, jump back on the bike and started going. And then I was like, I had this thing tech. Did I, did I close the garage door before I left the house? Did I turn the rice off before? Did I zip up my saddlebag? No, I did not like just stuff. just like littering all over Emporia behind me. So pockets. Yeah. A, a Dyna plug. <laughs> And a CO2 and breaker in your dedicated gravel britches pocket. Like that's now part of my protocol. Um, yeah, that's good advice. Hydration, having high carb stuff in the bottle. Um, this is you know, probably something that you guys had told me back in the day that now like, I pass on is it's a lot easier, especially in the first early miles when it's bumping and it's a big group and you don't want to be taking your hands off the bars, just a lot easier to pop a tube in your mouth and drink to your heart's content than it is to wrestle with a bottle. A hydration tube, not an inner tube. Hydration tube. Yeah. Yeah. You can put inner tube in your mouth too. If you want, if you want to like chew on something, Less Um, the hydration. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, A tube coming off of like, I like this, um, the can wax. Okay. Um, but the U sweet pack, the Swedish pack is a nice minimalist, thing. So that's my go-to. Um, and then yeah, first endurance is supporting me this year, which I'm 
delighted about and they've got a, a high carb thing called EFS pro. Um, so that's just a way to make sure you're staying fueled. Um, mm-hmm. cause it can be easy to forget. I mean, like, as I just indicated, I can't remember things like zip up the saddlebag dummies, <laughs> like, <clears throat> you, know, tr- you know, remembering to eat at appropriate intervals for a big, big day. Like you get, as you guys know, if you get behind on that, like yeah. that's a hole you don't want to be spending your time digging out of. So yeah, just putting tube in mouth, drinking from tube. Um, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the way to go. And so, do, yeah, do you switch? You sweep back EFS plus pro. Do you switch to more solids than later in the day? Or do you, you know, if you're thinking about a 100 or a 200 at unbound, or are you, or are you trying to stick with kind of liquid calories for most of the day? Mostly liquid with uh, either in the bottle or like isotonic gels that are a mm-hmm. lot easier to get down than just like a typical goo. Um, some for the, f- the size factor, um, uh, and then, and then something like I've tried eating different things in part for the comedy of it. Like I got a spicy sausage pickle thing at some point, cause I thought that would be funny to eat <laughs> oh at like God. hour nine. And it was, oh, I nearly vomited all over my <laughs> bike. Um, so it was kind of funny, but not in a funny at the time way. So it's just better to go with what you know and what works. Uh, Ian Boswell <laughs> will bring rice crispy cakes because those are pretty high calorie and weigh nothing like typical X yeah. world tour weight weenie guys like, Oh, these things don't wear anything. But, um, <laughs> and sometimes it's just nice to get chew on something. And that's like the one thing that like, even if your body's getting enough, uh, calories, your brain and your mouth might miss chewing on something. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Having, okay, a, so- having a bar of rice crispies or something like that. But yeah, primarily it's just the, uh, liquid fuel in some capacity. So the key takeaway is, is don't do your planning based on comedic value or potential comedic value. Stick with the liquid carbs. I think that's really good Correct. advice, especially early in the day because you're in the group. It is hectic. It's it's honestly kind of the safest thing to do from a navigating your bike over rough terrain. Um, but yeah, that's, that's good advice. Um, so for those periods when Ben wasn't a cycling journalist, a uh, little exposition here, he was doing some marketing um, and some other things. Um, and so, Ben, I guess the question I have is, are we allowed to still blame you for Arrow was everything as a hashtag? And uh, what do you think about that statement now? Uh, yes, yes, with a caveat. So, yes, uh, I was specialized global marketing communications for a hot minute. Uh, wonderful company, a lot of super sharp folks there. Uh, a lot of great product. Um, Mark Cody, who's now at Zwift, um, was CMO there at the time. And this was, mm-hmm. Crowey was doing Kona. So not gravel, but that other crazy three, three-legged three headed, three sported thing that Kristen used to do triathlon. <laughs> uh, and so I was just writing white papers for Mark, who was at the launch in Kona and, and the text I put down was something along the lines of when it comes to the bike leg at Ironman, <laughs> comma, introductory <laughs> clause, when it comes to the bike leg at Ironman, comma, aerodynamics is everything. And Cody's like, that's it. I'm like, what's it? What's it? He's like, arrows, everything. And from that, like it's spooled out into just the hashtag arrow is everything. Um, specialized is good a number of things, but marketing is probably what they're best at and leaning hard into things like, yeah, that's, that's stuck. Um, it's physics is real, man. It's like aerodynamics is a real thing, man. And rolling resistance is a real thing, man. And more so in gravel. Um, so that's, that subject seems like it's somewhat faded, like the whole you know, Jeff Kabush's holy war against arrow bars is <laughs> yeah. against the spirit of gravel. Um, it seems like that's faded a bit. Um, but both times I've done the 200, I have mocked the idea of arrow bars. Like our man, Chris case had the narwhal. He, instead of two arrow bars, he had <laughs> an right. arrow bar singular. And I'm like, that's the dumbest thing. And then, you know, fast forward a few hours into this race where the two of us are out, in like 
what felt like the barren wastelands of 60 mile an hour headwinds for days. And I'm like, man, I, I wish I had a narwhal where I could hunker <laughs> down out of the wind. <laughs> well, what's nice about the narwhal is you could share a pair of arrow bars. Yes. You know? Oh, yes. You could, and it he was, could have at least I, given I was, you the other half, you know. He yeah. gave me he gave me the option. And and as usual, it was me being like, nah, nah, let's just leave that here at the house. <laughs> and then some out, out there on the plains being like, just thinking of that bar just sitting there in the house, had the option, walked away from it. <laughs> Building on that though, Ben, do you do you think about aerodynamics uh when you put your kit together for a given race? Are you thinking about that? Whether that's it doesn't have to mean aero bars. You know, there's a lot of ways to to improve your aerodynamics without clipping on some aero bars. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the primary way is like having some buddies out there, like even if they're Mm -hmm. frenemies, because like being in a group, that's the best aerodynamic benefit you can possibly have. Right. And that's the primary one. Uh, So that's what I most think about when I'm approaching something, not like Transcordieras, but like a steamboat or something like I want to be with the front group. And that's because of a number of things, but yeah, aerodynamics is a principal one there. And then as far as the gear, yeah, I go back and forth with wheels and I was going to say, I'm curious, I'm eager to, um, do some wind tunnel stuff with Josh at Silco later this year. Um, monkeying around with different, you know, if then scenarios with gravel gear and a wind tunnel, um, not that you're racing in a wind tunnel, but that's like the way to quantify stuff to see like what, you know, how much, how much of a difference does this stuff make? Because it, it does make a difference, especially if you're going to be out there for five, six, eight, 10, 12, 13 hours. Um, uh, things like hoses, like, you know, Nick, you took bikes to the wind tunnels and found that just like moving brake cables around can make a huge yeah. difference. And that, yeah. uh, but wind testing at high speed, at the same time, if you can't get your bicycle into a bike bag to get to the start of the race, it doesn't matter how many watts that that hose matters. So that's, and I've kind of hosed myself, pun intended, a couple times this year. Like I was going to take an Argonaut to Big Sugar, you know, 10, 11 p.m. the night before, trying to put the bike in the bag. I'm like, oh, son of a bee sting. This bicycle is not going in this bag. Okay. What's plan B I've got here in my garage? <clears throat> you, yeah, sir, hanging yeah. on the wall. You're coming to Big Sugar. Um, <laughs> But then, you know, some things like being at Specialized, spent time in the wind tunnel there. Uh, like Chris Yu, for example, had did some things that stuck in my head. Like, don't ride around with your jacket flapping. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it, would be, uh, it would behoove you to stop, take the thing off, put it in your pocket. You're going to save more time that way than, than not stopping and riding along with a flapping j- jacket or jersey mm-hmm. for a while. So... Um, yeah, things like that. I did the first un- couple inbounds with the with an arrow helmet. Yep. Now I'd I'm probably go with. I mean, just the helmet technology is so good now. You can have yeah a well ventilated helmet that's like arrow enough. And like I don't know what my average is, but the, yeah, r- racing the the dads and grads division at the hundred, like the helmet is not going to be the make or break, right? Well, I guess Josh will answer that so, yeah, for you later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Josh and Dylan Johnson did that uh, test that a lot of us dorks forward around of, hey, at having a hydration pack on is actually a better aerodynamic shape than not mm-hmm. because it's smoothing the windflow. It's like, oh, great. Good to know. Another reason to wear one of those things. Yeah, that actually really helped me because we were talking about for XL last year, we were trying to make everything super aero um, as much as possible. And so I was considering not bringing a, a pack for that. But seeing that video was just really good confirmation to say like, oh, maybe it's yeah, it is faster to wear this. And then, you know, you take the just the ease of having a, a hydration pack beyond aerodynamics, like it just makes your day easier out there. So I think it's always a balance between yeah, you can do all of these things to your bike or your body to make yourself more aero, but if it's not sustainable or not helping you get to the finish line, then, you know, what's the point of it? Absolutely. And then that's where the practice, you know, at the camp with the Ligans, that's where the <laughs> the literal rubber meets the gravel road, right? And you can be like, okay, this is a cool idea. I want to try it out. Like, oh, that's a terrible idea. That, that spicy sausage pickle thing, I should, <laughs> I 
I should not bring that. <laughs> right. Or, or this, this, or this 14 liter hydration pack that I made for myself. That's actually like causing my back to spasm. I can't wear that thing. But. Um, well, so speaking of unbound and preparation for it and planning for it again, Ben, we know you're super fast. You're oftentimes find yourself on the podium at you know, any of these big races. Um, do you have a favorite unbound prep workout or simulation type of workout that you like to do going into a, you know, whether it's unbound or any other gravel races, there a specific workout you do that you can hit that you're like, yep, I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go for this one. Much like I am not a medical professional, <laughs> I am not a uh, coach <laughs> as, as you are, Kristen. Um, so again, take this with a big grain of salt, but yes, there's a couple things. One is like progressively building up load and being on a fast cat program for years. Um, you know, tracking that progressive training load is one thing that gives me confidence. So like, yeah, I'm, I've been doing the thing at an increasing volume for a while. Now, if I taper off the volume a bit, um, that freshness should come up and I should be good to go. Um, and, and again, just like keep referring to this simulation ride mm -hmm. doing, doing, yeah, practicing, doing that often helps, uh, as far as a favorite thing, sometimes I'll like do a bit of a mix and match for the duration and intensity as one piece. And then the gear and, uh, terrain as another. So for instance, here in the beautiful cycling Mecca of Boulder, Colorado, there's a monthly training ride called super training, which sometimes has a gravel component, but usually is a road thing. And it's young, fast kids given her. Um, and for me, that's a great like motor pacing, like workout where I can, I know I can get a, a quality five hours, um, and having fun and being supported. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'll, I'll, I love doing that one. Um, and, uh, you know, in addition to the aerodynamic benefit of being with the group, I just love the psychological draft of the game of it. Right. Just going fast and being in a group and taking pulls when I can, like that's, that's for me, like it's, you know, cycling is a good, healthy thing and there's a fitness component, but for me, it's a game. Like I love the game of it and that's what brings me out. It's not like. I'm not a fitness enthusiast, right? Like if I wasn't riding a bike, I wouldn't be up in the morning and be like, Hey, I'm going to do my pushups. I'm going to do my sit-ups. I'm going to do like, Oh, I can't wait. And like, yeah, I'm not that person. Um, but at the same time, like I know you need to do the work before you go and do the thing. So going out and doing a simulation in a fun way, heck yeah, let's do that. And then for the, the terrain and gear portion, I'll do longer rides. You know, again, I like riding with friends. So like Todd Gagulski has got a good group that goes out on Saturdays and uh, the pace isn't always quite as high for as long, um, but it's still a group that's pushing you and you can bring the bike and the tires and the hydration pack and then the nutrition, like all the things. And that's a good practice and the handling, like just getting comfortable mm -hmm. with um, the the particular tires and the particular pressure and like where you're sitting on the bike when you've got a hydration pack on like that stuff, just getting, you want to get good and cozy. So that feels like home when you get to the start line and not being like, Oh, I just bought this bike and this pack. And like, they, <laughs> the league said, this was great. Like it could be great, but if it is, if it, if it's completely brand new to you, it's going to be weird. Um, at, uh, there's coach Elliot barring who's, answer to the, what's the best tire? What's the best tire? He's got a great answer, which is like the one you're most comfortable with. That's totally. the best tire for yep. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. So for me, like the, I love the, the G ones cause how they feel and like, I know them, right. Like I know how they feel rolling along and cornering and like, I've got a, you know, pressure range that I'm happy with. So that just, yeah. again, practice, practice, practice. And then once you're comfortable with it, like, have faith in it and go for it. Um, so, yeah. So okay. speaking of getting out and, you know, testing things or, you know, just gravel in general, you've spent a lot of time traveling for, you know, your work, 
for pleasure, that kind of thing, for riding your bike around the world with gravel. Um, we've been lucky enough to get to ride with you in some really amazing places. What do you have a des- riding destination that you're most like you're most excited to explore, or you want to explore? Maybe you're you're not planning to go there anytime soon, but is there anywhere in the world that you're just like I haven't been there, but I think you know there's something interesting gravel wise about this location that I want to go check out. Sure. So I was just down in Arizona, staying at the cycling house outside of Tucson, like Northeast corner of Tucson, Arizona. And yeah, these folks cycling house that run trips around the world, they have a physical house in Arizona, but they also run trips in California and the Dolomites and Mallorca and Montana, which is where they're based. Uh, It's an awesome organization. I recommend you folks check them out. That's a fun way to go and get some great training in and experience the world and have everything taken care of. They have chefs as part of the thing. And on this particular trip, uh, chef Sophia was there and her answer to the question of like, what's the, what's your best ride? What's the best ride ever was the, the ride I'm most excited about is the one I haven't done yet. It's the one that's mm-hmm. coming up. That mm-hmm. So that's, I like that answer. Um, <laughs> and that's part of the fun of cycling, right? It's going to see new places. And even if you're doing the same route, it, the conditions can change so much that it is essentially like your, your same old, same old route can be a brand new route as conditions change, you know, like riding on a, the middle of the summer and riding in the middle of the winter can be two completely different experiences and effectively two different places. So yeah, just the exploratory nature of cycling is in addition to the game of racing is what gets me out the door on a regular basis. Um, as far as like a particular place, like our trip to the Dolomites was rad. I would yeah. do that again over and over until yeah. I did. that was awesome. Um, Wouldn't take you know, long at the rate. In, in places yeah. that, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, being in places where the culture, where there's a cycling culture, uh, in addition to beautiful roads and like challenging terrain, that that makes it fun you know like you can do like big epic epic challenges anywhere but um some of the spots in america have you know you do like a huge mountain pass and it's a huge challenge and you get to the top and there's just semis flying by and a elevation sign and nothing else yeah. <laughs> um, that's not quite as inspiring as getting to the top of the jow and going inside and having a waffle like the size of your head and some cappuccinos and <laughs> yeah. all other bike nerds clipping clopping around in there and you know um so yeah in some in some ways like the grass is always greener but the grass is pretty dang green in in the dolomites so <laughs> yeah i guess that's my answer <laughs> that's a pretty good answer ben we have a couple more questions um first of all though ben what does the future of gravel look like we hear that you have a crystal ball Yes, let me go. Let me go dig it out. <laughs> Pull it from my bag of tricks. Ah, yes, here the future of gravel. I think it will continue to ebb and flow as far as getting very wide and um, specialized, and like all these different niches popping up, and then that will come back together again. You know, we've seen that in in road and in mountain where like once upon a time you had a road bike and then, right. You know, not so long ago, there was like 47. Well, what kind of road bike is it? Like a, a narrow bike? Is it a race bike? Is it a climbing bike? Is it an endurance bike? Is it a jerry bike? Is it like, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just a road bike. I don't know. I don't can't even figure out how to shift it and change the batteries. I think it's similar, similar with gravel. You know, it's very quickly gone from like, how is a gravel bike not just a cyclocross bike? Like, what are you talking about? That's not a new bike. Like, right. that's an old bike with a new sticker on it. To well, is that a is it an aero gravel bike? Is it a race bike? Is it a is it a backpacking bike? Is it an adventure bike? Is it a six fifty b bike? And it's fun to do that, but then also inevitably it'll hit the the far walls and come back around to like I just want to have one bike that does most of the things pretty well. Like I don't need to have a race car and a minivan and a monster truck. Like I just need a vehicle that I can go pick my kids up in and get me to the airport and, you know, it's connects to my phone. So I think we'll see that, uh, with gear and also a bit with events. Um, 
you know, just looking at reg numbers with events, not that you have to do an event to ride gravel, right? You can enjoy just riding your bike without paying somebody to do so. But I do think there is something magic about bringing a bunch of people together and we don't just do that on our own. Like somebody has got to take the initiative mm -hmm. to put the, put the party together. Right. right? Like it's right. nice to go to a restaurant. Like we could all as humans, like go out in one place and like have a potluck, but that doesn't happen. Like somebody has got to take the initiative and like it's a commercial business. And I think that's, that's fine. Looking at the reg numbers of events, the middle distances seems to be like the best solution for most folks where it's big enough to be a challenge, but not an overwhelming thing that'll take over their life. Um, right. so I think, I think we'll see that continue like having multiple distance offered, but, uh, promoters thinking about like, what's, what's the most fun for the most amount of people and how can we maximize that? Um, yeah. And as far as like what peak gravel is, as far as like total number of events, like who knows, um, <laughs> but there's certainly more than anyone can do right now. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see like what the, the middle size events do because like mm -hmm. the, the unbounds and the like there's you know, one handful worth of marquee events that are always going to be super hot, or at least for years and years will be super hot that there's a feeding frenzy around just getting into the things, right? They'll have no problem drawing in folks. And then on the other end of the spectrum, as we were talking about the fun of exploration, seeing new places and ideally having somebody set the table for those, that will always be a draw to go check out what's next. What's over here. What's around this corner. So for, and I think small events are fantastic for um, doing that. I'm a big proponent. Like if people ask like, what, what race should I do? What are the best races? Like do two, do one of the big ones and then do one of the little ones. And by one of the big ones, like you don't even have to like do the unbound, like just go and, you know, do support, you know, Kristen, you've done like many roles there and have, mm -hmm. you know, seen the race from, you know, inside the 350 to the, you know, supporting Nick from the side to, you know, working there, um, and the expo, et cetera. Um, just showing up to the giant festival that is one of these events is that I highly recommend that. And no, you don't have to race it. Just like go and see it and be a part of it. And, mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, go and do a little one where it's a much lower cost and like financially and in terms of time and commitment and stress. Um, but then like the middle-sized races, uh, it'll be curious to see how those, what the future looks like for them, if they can continue to get re repeat customers because they're going to have to, I think, switch things up and do something special instead of... Um, just offering the same old, same old. So, yeah, I, I don't know. That. You guys I mean, tell me what is, yeah. the, what is, what, go ahead. Uh, yeah. I was going to say that I, I love that idea of seeing the different spectrum. There's different sides of the spectrum. So going to a big race, whether you're racing it or you're supporting, or you're just taking part of the party um, because it is really overwhelming. And I think if you, if that's your only experience of gravel, you're missing out on such an important part of at least from my perspective of what's kind of developed into gravel so kind of that grassroots the local races where you know there's 15 people on the start line and you just you get such a different perspective of how to race how to ride you know the experience that you're getting with the race director or the volunteers um and i think that's what's really special about gravel is that there is a wide range of events and so if you don't like you know, riding with 2000 people around you, or you don't like the rules of this other gravel race, there's opportunities to go out and find the ones that do speak to you or that are interesting or that are fulfilling to you. And so, um, you know, of course, we're on the Funbound gravel podcast right now, where we're talking a lot about Unbound, but there are so, so many great smaller events, local events that you don't have to spend so much money and time on that you get you know, just as much or just something totally different out of. Um, so I, yeah, I think that's a good idea to kind of see both sides of it and experience both types of races. Yeah, and those can serve as like the, an ideal simulation, right? Like if you aren't lucky enough to go out and do, mm -hmm. you know, the Legans camp in Emporia, if you can do a local right. race a little bit ahead of a, a bigger race, that can be a great yeah. um, simulation, right? Of all the things. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I was like the cow, cow town, have you guys heard of Cowtown Gravel? No. 
I have. Where? Yeah. Where yes. is that? Yeah. So that is in Kremling, uh, okay. way up in oh, the, yeah. the the mountains of Colorado, just on the other side of the pass from Steamboat. And whereas Steamboat, you know, a big fan of Amy Charity and the group, the crew up there do a great job. Uh, Steamboat is kind of swanky, right? You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's that's it's sort of champagne gravel over there in Steamboat. <laughs> Kremling. Kremlin, as the cow town, as the cow town name may indicate, like it's straight up rural, like it's ranch country. Yeah. And the folks that put it on the shows are fifth generation Colorado ranchers. The event goes through their ranch. You know, I was up there the night before one of their things doing a sauna in a cow barn. Nice. Uh, Big big shooter, the guy behind it. If you're driving up there, you may have seen Big Shooter's Coffee. This is a man as well as a coffee shop. You know, Big Shooter's built a a sauna into one of his cow barns, and there's a cold plunge, aka you know, a trough fed oh, with God. You know, a mountain spring, like cold mountain spring. You can you know, fresh water you can drink out of, and also tops off the cold plunge. And the the riding is this absurdly beautiful up, you know, above their ranch, you're getting a national forest. There's, you're going through pines and getting up in Aspens and there's, you know, all sorts of large game up there and super quiet. Yeah. And there's, I don't know, 300 people maybe doing the thing. Oh, that sounds uh, great. Yeah. So like stuff like that's just a fantastic way. And it's such a great excuse to go out and see new places and meet new people in a way. And a, and a course is already laid out. So it's a challenge, but it's not like you're having to go through the brain damage of figuring out where to go and how to do it. And does this connect? Like follow the Elbrick road, man. Absolutely. Nice. Well, Ben, we have one last question for you. Something fun. We like to do with each of our guests. I hope I get it right. We have a random question generator. Are you ready? I am as ready as I'm getting. All right. Let's wind this thing up. All right, Ben, what story (laughs) does your family always tell about you? What story does my family always tell about me? Um, hmm. One, I don't know if it's a story, but one thing that my wife will often say is that my stories sometimes will skew towards what makes a better story more so than what actually happened. And I'm a little, (laughs) I don't, I don't doubt her. I don't doubt her. I'm a little incensed by this, you know, because like as a journalist, like you want to get the, get the facts right. You know, and this is like honesty and integrity and, um, but sometimes I guess whether it's like the punchline of a story or something, there may be like a bit of, of artistry involved. So like, for instance, Right now, we live in a house down the street from the house with, that we lived in for years and years, which is a you know smaller place, three bed, one bath. And we had little kids. The story, as I tell it, was my wife was fed up with like the cramped space, and she's like, "Look, we need to get a better place. Either we get another bathroom, or I'm getting another husband." <laughs> and, yeah, and well, I, I've been telling though. this story for years. You're right. Yeah. And that line usually gets some laughs. She's like, I never said that. I had never once said those words. I'm like, well, maybe you didn't say it exactly like that, but that was like the general position. So that's a good one. So, yeah. I think, yeah, there you have it. Cool. Well, thanks for having me on guys. This was super fun. Yeah. Thanks so much uh, for joining cool. us and chatting our favorite gravel race. Um, always a blast to get to talk gravel with you, Ben. Thanks so much. Kristen, are you doing 350 again in 2024? I am not. Yeah, I decided okay. to not go back and try and defend um, just because I'm part of the Grand Prix again this year. And I just think the Unbound will be too important in the series um, to actually do the 200. And I'm just really, really stoked. I've never gotten to – well, last year was the first year and I didn't do it. But the, the 200 will have a women's only start. Um so I'm, yes. I'm pumped for that. I yes. think that'll change the dynamic a bit, and I'm interested to see how that plays out. So really excited for it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be excited to see how that goes. Yeah. Good luck. Awesome. Thanks. Well, thanks, Ben. Nick, Nick what will you, what, what, which hat will you be wearing at oh. Funbound? <laughs> uh, at Funbound, I will be uh, raising maximum fun in the checkpoints. Um, I'll be supporting Kristen in the, during the race, and then I'll, of course, be in the expo uh, representing Shimano at the Shimano Park there. So make sure you stop by. 
Absolutely will. Yeah, look forward to seeing both of y'all out there. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all for today, folks. Now it's time to get back to your training, get back to riding, get back to having fun. For Kristen, I'm Nick Legan. We'll catch you next time.